Help me, help me, help me, he said. You're the hunter's wheel, shoot me, dead. Come, little rabbit, come with me. Happy way will die. This is 8-Bit, episode 94, Melt the Frozen Heart, on Sunday, November 9th, 2014, and now, the Star Wars Holiday Special. This episode is hosted by Ian Buck and Ian Decker. So I hear that you have a question for me from uh, from Scrafty. Oh, yes. So, the other day I got a text from Scrafty saying, Hey, I've been watching a lot of Star Wars, and I want to try and find the holiday special to watch. Oh, good lord. How would I go about doing that? And I said, I don't know. I, I'm, I'll pass the question along to, to Thinman, because he knows, and that's the way that I saw it was through Thinman. So, <laughs> Thinman, how do you find the, 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 the Star Wars holiday special? Well, the funny thing is, I didn't actually find it either. I mentioned it to Theo, and Theo Holtman found it for me, downloaded it, and passed it on to me. So, if anybody needs a copy of it, I can I can uh, send it to you. Though, I mean, mm, why you would ever want to subject yourself to that, I have no idea, especially since it's not actually part of Star Wars canon anymore. <laughs> like you know, no doubt about it. That that was one of the good things about you know them sweeping everything away is they got rid of a lot of like terrible, terrible stuff like the holiday special or like yeah. Splinter of a Mind's Eye, you know, whatever. I don't um, know that one. That that was the very very first like expanded universe novel that came out. It it took place uh, about a year after the movie, the original movie, and it had to do with Luke and Leia. Going to some like you know meeting some this summit, uh, but they like had a malfunction and crash landed on a jungle planet right next door to where they were trying to the planet that they were actually trying to go to, and as it turns out, like I don't know, Darth Vader was there as well, and like they they there was some crystal that was on the planet that like enhanced force abilities or something something something, and uh, I think. You know, Luke ended up like getting crushed by by or not not crushed, but like you know pinned down, and Leia had to take up his lightsaber and like fight Darth Vader with it, and then Darth Vader ended up falling into a chasm. Like supposedly, you know, they made it open ended enough that he might not have died, but it was clear that like you know he's dead. <laughs> it was just like it, it's the strangest strangest story I've ever heard. I like how you missed my reference. What did you say? Well, I just completed our reference. We we do references together now. We're that much of a couple. Because um, <clears throat> you said something, 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 and then I finished with... Ah, dark side. Okay, yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, those aren't... Well, actually, fortunately, those are not in canon either. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> it would be a very, very strange universe indeed. Um, oh, no. Oh, honestly, no. though... This week for me has been like a, a reigniting of my Star Wars fandom because I suddenly realized, you know, that that there were a couple of novels coming out for, you know, that that are actually officially never ever going to be gotten rid of, so that you know they'll be part of the Star Wars canon forever and ever. And I was like, well, I I might as well just start, you know, catching up because I it's doable now. This is like the first time in my life that I've had a, an opportunity to actually catch up on everything Star Wars that's official. <laughs> and 
So I yeah, I like I read a novel in like half a week, which is insane for me because A, I read slowly and B, I don't read for long periods of time, like in in general. So Well that's that one of the things that we differ on. Yeah, I mean I, I used to I used to read tons and tons and tons, but like not anymore. I'm just uh you know, busy brag. I, I get too busy with my life. <laughs> oh, trust yeah. me, I'm right there too. So, so yeah, I, I read I read A New Dawn, which is pretty good, and now I'm reading Tarkin, which I think is way way better. I'm really enjoying getting into the mind of one of the more iconic antagonists in the Star Wars movies. Um, and uh, also, I started watching the Star Wars Rebels show because I heard that that was really good. So I might as well like you know. Get up on that right now. Rebels, yeah, rebels, rebels. It's I'm. It's pretty good. It's a lot better than uh, the Clone Wars was at least at the beginning. Um, it's kind mm. of got like a, a Firefly feel to it, where like you know, it's it's they're not really like part of the Rebel Alliance. They're just one crew of a of a small you know ship trying to you know steal from the Empire and sell to people who can pay them so that they can actually you know buy fuel and continue doing what they do so yeah kind of, I ask. Kind of, yeah <laughs> um and I, I suppose being that firefly also did have the whole you know river is you know a trained uh not not trained assassin necessarily but you know she holds like a lot of secrets that that uh the government wouldn't want getting out you know then and and um so you know that she's actually a danger to to the government like they have a couple of people one of them is used to be a jedi and one of them is actually force sensitive so he's being trained to become a jedi so they're oh. kind of uh you know a um a threat to the empire and um yeah so that was enjoy what are you doing <laughs> i'm so confused <laughs> anyway um but yeah so so also because of this you know looking into Star Wars and everything, I, I started researching more about, you know, what all is actually in the Star Wars canon. And as it turns out, there's a lot more stuff already than I thought. Like, there's a bunch of uh, young, uh, you know, younger teen novels and, you know, kids' stories and stuff like that. But I also found out that they did something terrible back uh -oh. in August. Something uh -oh. awful. They changed how the calendar works. For the what? Star Wars universe. So it used to be organized where episode four was year zero. And every, you know, every event that happened was either, you know, so many years after the Battle of Yavin or so many years before the Battle of Yavin. And now they've set the Phantom Menace as year zero. Uh-oh. So episode one is now year zero and everything else is measured in how many years after that it was, which seems really, really strange from a, like, in-universe perspective, because before they were able to justify it by, like, well, the Battle of Yavin was, like, the first time that uh, that the Rebel Alliance had ever had a major victory against, you know, the the Empire, so they wanted to celebrate that by setting that as year zero. Uh, but, like, seriously, what happened in The Phantom Menace? You know, a, a tiny nobody world was invaded, and then, you know, for, like, a couple of days, and the, and and then, you know everything went back to normal i suppose mm, i suppose that that's when palpatine did become supreme chancellor so that's kind of important for the history of the galaxy but i don't know it's also kind of annoying because that's a change of 32 years so like 
I can't, you know, I can't just do the conversion in my head of like, okay, so episode six happened, you know, three years after the Battle of Yavin. Well, what is that exactly when we take into account, you know, like 32? I'd have to do actual math. Yeah. Oh, also, did you know that Palpatine has a first name now? <laughs> what? Yeah, the Emperor has a first name. It is Sheev. 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 S H E E V. What an awful first name. <laughs> Who decided uh, to give him that name? It's, it's so stupid. Uh, I don't know. There are good things and bad things about this whole reboot process. You're, you're much more up to date on the canon stuff than I am, so. Yeah, mostly because of this week. You know, like, up, up until this week, we had both seen all six of the movies, which was, you know, all that was in canon. Other than, you know, the shows and the two books. Holy crap, this is trippy. So, yeah, if you want to get caught up, now would be the time. If you don't care, then, I don't know, listen if to my ramblings or something. If so, the, what? If I find that I have the time. Well, actually, if I find that I have the time, I'll probably be playing more video games. Mm-hmm. Especially considering that, you know, Far Cry 4 and Dragon Age Inquisition come out later this month. Keeping busy. <laughs> So, yeah, video games. We're not here to talk about Star Wars. We're here to talk about video games. Well, we can talk about both. Well, oh, not until Battlefront comes out late next year. Yeah. <laughs> so in case you listeners are interested in reading any of the articles about these wonderful video games that we're about to talk about, go to thenexus.tv slash EB94. That's where you'll find all of the links. So pirates, yar yar, I am a pirate. I, you are a pirate. Oh, Actually, have I shown you that music video? I don't think you know. I don't think you have, yeah. So the Pirate Bay, it actually got started here in Sweden. And the all of the co-creators of it have been arrested, except for one of them. One of them managed to avoid arrest up until this week when he was detained at the border uh, between Laos and Thailand. Uh, and, you know, they, they were like, oh, hey, we actually know who you are. And so they're, I'm not sure if they're going to turn him over to Sweden or what, but, uh, you know, he's he's got, you know, an Interpol, like, warrant on him for copyright infringement or aiding in, in copyright infringement. So, yeah, he I think he's supposed to be facing, like, a year in prison and, like, a $5,000 fine or something like that. So okay. it's not not terrible. Nope. Kind of surprisingly, because they seem to be quite serious about this whole copyright thing, but I don't know. Just is good, mind you. Yeah, yeah. And the Pirate Bay is kind of a big deal. Yes. All right, so I have a song for you with the I. You are a pirate. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's only a minute and a half long. It's not that big of a deal. Alrighty. Do what you want, because a pirate is free. You are a pirate. You're hard You mean you didn't like the ninja with the sword attached to his crotch and then hip thrusting it? I am. I I didn't not like him. I'm just confused. <laughs> what self-respecting pirate would let a ninja on his boat and just do that? One who wants the ninja to, or one who doesn't mind a hip thrusting ninja. Nah. Everything that I know about pirates and ninjas comes from uh, Doctor McNinja. Yes. Yes. Now there. Yes. Okay. Um, oh yeah. So I, I I had a good conversation with a friend about this. 
They've already started working on the sequel to Destiny. What a shame. I mean, they've hardly developed the first one. <laughs> I, I distinctly remember them saying, like, no, 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 we're not going to, like, be doing, like, sequels and stuff for this. We're going to be making Destiny, like, you know, last for ten years, you know, and people are going to be playing this forever and ever, and, you know. Yes. Apparently not. Well, that's what we would hope, but... Uh... So what, did it, what came of your conversation with somebody else about this? Oh, just sort of how like every nobody was on Destiny really anymore. There were there were sort of a spurts of some people are on every now and then, and if they come out with DLC, they'll be on every now and then. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, hardly anyone is on Destiny anymore. Um, they've well, yeah, all they got rid of all the loot caves. Yeah, <laughs> they all transferred over to um, oh, what's it called? Advanced Warfare, and are all playing Advanced Warfare. Oh, now. of course. Recently came out. Apparently, it's it's a lot better than the other Call of Duty games that have been coming out recently. All right. According I mean, to it, PC it'll Gamer, t- it'll take a lot to get me to you know actually get into that series. But yeah, yeah. I mean the multiplayer is already buggy beyond all reason. Um, so they they've still got some stuff to work out. But they always do. Always yeah. Do. But the single player is apparently really good. So speaking of multiplayer. What happens if you want to play an older game that, you know, the developer slash publisher no longer supports, but, you know, used to have, like, online matchmaking or some sort of online DRM check, you know, basically, legally, you're screwed. Because there's, like, no way to play games like that without the, you know, the servers that they were built to rely on. So yeah. the EFF is actually proposing that Congress make workarounds for that class of games legal, which, I mean, it, it wouldn't, like, it, it, it doesn't say that a company has to, you know, like, make it possible for people to play those games without the servers when they shut down the servers, but it's saying that, like, people who distribute, you know, modifications to the games that allow them to be played without contacting the servers, like, that's not illegal anymore. Yeah. That could be handy. I mean, otherwise you can just do LAN parties, right? Well, no, no, no. Because, like, depending on the game, some games don't have, you know, a LAN portion available. Like, they literally, like, insist that you contact servers in order to be able to play. That's what we're talking about. Like League, I suppose. Right. If Yeah, if and when League ever shuts down, indeed. Although it would be strange to play a game like that without other people to play with. That's very true. <laughs> But I mean, there's definitely enough like single-player games with just online DRM checks, yeah, to warrant this kind of thing. Yeah. Yop yop yop. Exclusive. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know what game I said I was excited about later this month? That's coming out later this month, and I'm really excited for it. Far Cry 4. Yes, but that's not what I'm talking about. Dragon Age Inquisition. Yeah. Good job. And <laughs> I hate you, because you know what I was trying to get at. Of course, because it's <laughs> written right here in the lovely show notes. <laughs> Brought to you by Google Docs. <laughs> Sponsor us, Google. That'd be really nice. It would be really nice. And really strange. Because we <laughs> rag on Ingress all the time now. <laughs> well, you do. I yeah. don't really think about it. Well, because you haven't played it. That's true. I did a little bit, or I tried to, anyways. Oh, yeah. Didn't work so well. That's right, before you lost your phone. Honestly, I think it might have been stolen, but that's so beside the point. We're not here Dragon to Dragon Age Inquisition. My things. Yeah, we're here to talk about things that work on machines that I do have, like this one right here. 
um, which I probably shouldn't hit like that. Uh, but so Dragon Age Inquisition, in order to get the hype up and rolling, they are giving out reveal videos for some of the characters. Um, currently, we have two review, reveal videos. The Iron Bull, which is a canary with a beard and an iron eye patch and uses a giant axe, so I like him already. And then Vivienne, who is the, I believe, um, the enchantress for, like, the Magic Council or something like that. Okay. Um, but essentially, she can politic you and argue with you and debate with you so that you have nothing left and tear you apart that way. The point where you wish she was tearing you apart with, like, fire or ice, because that at least would be simple. <laughs> so, yeah, two new reveal videos, so go and check those out if you get the chance. Iron Bull and Vivienne. Uh, yeah, I I personally am not going to watch them because I already know that I want to play the game and I'd rather, you know, discover the characters, you know, by discovering the characters in the game. But that's yeah. just me. So Twitter has actually partnered with a group called Women, Action, and the Media to investigate what kinds of harassment Twitter deals with well and what kinds they need to work on. I don't think I need to mention, you know, what kinds of uh, recent events have prompted this, but... Hopefully this uh, there's something good comes out of this partnership. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Especially with the amount of stuff that's been going on with Gamergate, obviously, which is probably what spurred this, to be yep. completely honest. Yep, probably. <laughs> and, um, I mean, actually, I was looking at stuff, and, like, the Blizzard CEO that said, or made a public announcement that Gamergate is giving a bad title to all gamers. <laughs> so... They're definitely taking a lot of flack, which is good. The mm-hmm. sooner we can get rid of them, the better. However, in the meantime, we have another trailer for you. What? Whoa, no. So it's another trailer because, hey, what, what, what is a show without me giving you at least one trailer? <laughs> <laughs> ah, self-deprecating humor. And, I mean, it's a fun one. It'll, it's, it's another Far Cry 4 trailer which I think are all fun because I'm just really excited about the game. Um, but it's a story trailer, and it makes it feel... It has a very Bond-like feel. Um, hmm. So there's a, there's a lot of good audio stuff, but you got to go and see it, too, to get a lot of the visual stuff, too. So we'll, we'll play it just so that you can get some of the audio stuff and get the, the Bond-like feel of it. Again, terribly sorry for what happened before. This is more what I had in mind. Now, to whom am I speaking? The son who returned to scatter his mother's ashes, or the lunatic who has murdered his way to the top of my mountain? You see what Pagan has done to this country. Like it or not, your duties, Kirat, and your choices will carry weight. We need someone to break the stalemate between Amita and Sabal. Stand with us, and I promise you, you will fulfill your mother's dying wish. This is about lives. If we don't act, people will die. The right choice was obvious! I'm trying to take us out of your third world bullshit. People of Kirat, who do you cheer for? The brave elephant, the fierce tiger. Or do you cheer for the terrorists? You will 
same man came out like this. But you, you will come out a king. Do what you came here to do. I don't know. It's not James Bond if we don't have any characters named like on a top or something. <laughs> I suppose. But I mean, like with the, it very much so feels like a James Bond in the sense that it's like an old rock tune that's been given, or a rock tune that's been given a new um, mm. feel to it. And sure. Of course, all the explosions and the action and the really good bad guy and <laughs> bad guys with class. Hmm, that reminds me of Tarkin again. So. Besides Star Wars, my other favorite, you know, science fiction franchise is, uh, of course... Stargate. Oh, man. I hadn't even thought of that. Actually, <laughs> no, I think Mass Effect is, is higher up than uh, than Stargate for me. Really? Yeah, yeah. I'm impressed. So, Mass Effect and Seven Day happened uh, this week, and BioWare announced some, some pretty good... Infor- well, nothing really specific, but, you know, some more information about the next Mass Effect game. So, first... They uh, told us who a bunch of the game leads are and, and you know, what they've done before. Uh, so we've got uh, the lead writer, Chris Schlerf, who wrote for uh, Halo 4. Producer, Fabrice Condominas, who did uh, Omega, the Omega DLC, which is one of, one of the best, uh, one of the three best DLCs, I'd say, uh, in the Mass Effect series. Lead designer Ian Fraser, who, besides having an awesome name, of course, uh, <laughs> was the designer on uh, Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning. Art director Joel McMillan, who did, I think, all of the previous Mass Effect games. Creative director Mac Walters did also did the previous Ma- Mass Effect games. And producer Mike Gamble, who uh, produced the Lair of the Shadow Broker and Citadel DLCs, both of which were, I think, you know, my favorite ones. So, good group of people working at uh, BioWare Montreal. Uh, They also had a developer roundtable that they live-streamed and showed off some concept art. They talked about exploration. For example, the Mako is back. Woohoo! Everybody rejoice! And uh, they also talked a lot about how, like, this is not just Mass Effect 4. It has to be, like, a big leap forward and, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, sorry. I'm I'm really excited. It's going to be a good one. I wonder if any of those concept arts are being sold, because I definitely want a print of one of those. <laughs> oh, yeah. They, they look really cool. They do. Especially they there was there was one with, like, a bunch of, you know, pyramids and, like, then inverted pyramids on top of those pyramids that looked really, really sick. Yeah. No, the whole thing is just gorgeous. Oh, I love, I love how video games are most definitely an art style. And yeah, sorry. It's or it, it's a culmination of art in the sense that it's it's music and visuals and level design. Story. Level design, I suppose that 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 is a that that, that is an art form. It is an art form. Um, like they they went into that in Inception, <laughs> you know, essentially. I suppose you're the architect. Your job is to make a maze that can, you know can be solved in a minute, but you know will never take, like, more than a minute to solve. Like, how the hell do you do that? I don't know, but level designers do it every day. Yeah. And then... Um, oh, oh, the story. Mm-hmm. Not forget the story. Oh, yeah, writers. 
And there's so many cool things that go into it that it, I, I consider it in some ways sort of a composite art form in that it's it, it's composed of a little bit of everything else mm-hmm. in the art world, or at least it can be. The good ones are. Yeah. Okay. Uh, speaking of which, um, very stylized graphics in this next one. There is a game that has been revealed. I'm not sure exactly when it's coming out, but it's called The Marvelous Mistake. And it is... Uh, let's see. Here, I'll... Uh, oh, it's going to be released on November 20th. That's coming up quick. That is coming up quick. Here, let me read to you what they have in the description on the YouTube video for the official trailer. In the bustling heart of London, a once-magnificent art collection has been unscrupulously poached and split up among private collectors. Meet Sophia Take, the rightful heir to the misappropriated masterpieces. Help Sophia to reclaim her inheritance on an exciting and daring adventure across the capital. Um... So that's the premise of the story of the game. The game itself is a stealth game that essentially relies on you being able to run this way and that way, avoid guards, distract guards with this and that. Um, so it's a puzzle game. A little bit, yeah. It's a puzzle stealth game. And there is no violence. You don't get to take anyone down, so it's you just you have to use your wits and your cunning to to slip and sneak and whatnot. So I don't know. It it looks like it could be fun. Well well it's another one of those that we say we'll have to keep an eye on, and mm-hmm. maybe we'll have to try it out when it comes out. Let's actually, I'm going to look at it on the Steam store and see how much it is, if it's available for pre-purchase at all. The marvelous mistake uh, does not currently have a price tag. Okay. Well, speaking of pre-ordering, Kickstarter is essentially pre-ordering things. You know, if you if you go at the right tier. And unfortunately, the Black Glove did not meet their funding goal on Kickstarter. Very sad. I really, really wanted that that game to make it. Uh, but the devs have promised that they are going to fight like hell to prevent it from getting canceled. So let's hope that they, you know, are able to find like a publisher or something to get this game to see the light of day. That'd be really nice. Yeah, let's hope. Because I know we were getting kind of excited about that one. Yeah, and unfortunately, they didn't even make it to like halfway to their funding goal. Damn. I mean. Such is what happens on occasion, I suppose. Yeah, actually, I think all of the Kickstarters that we talked about in the last month have not made it. For some reason, this this fall is not good for Kickstarters. No, I blame Ryan. Clearly, it's clearly Ryan's fault. Because because he's so busy. Totally, 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 totally. All right. Um. <sighs> oh, that's right. So. Uh, more Dragon Age Inquisition news. Yay! Well, sort of. Um, so... I mean, this is a game all on its own. It is a game all, all on its own, yes. Well, it's it's part of the Dragon Age keep. Yes, but I don't thing. think that it affects your save game files. <sighs> the, the way that the rest of Dragon Age keep does. I believe you... Ah. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, But it supposedly... Okay, here. I'll read what they have on the blog, just because... What? Nothing. I know it's something that I do a lot. Yeah, it's something that you call attention to a lot, which is funny. (laughs) I mean, whose words are going to be better to represent the game than the developers themselves? I suppose. But, I mean, you know, we can give our own opinions on things. Oh, yeah. That's very true. (sighs) But So what are we talking about? I don't think we've named it yet. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's right. So the last court is a text-based adventure game um, that is that you can... It's a browser-based text-based adventure game, 
that's free to play. That's part of Dragon Age Court. So you can go and explore. Let's see. You play as the ruler of Sirold, an eclectic fiefdom at the farthest end of Orlais. As the huntress or scholar, you'll guide the realm through its most crucial period in its history. So essentially, you get to play politics in the Dragon Age world. Um, Which, as we already established, is more powerful than magic in some cases. Or or less simple than magic or something. What was the phrase <laughs> that you used? Uh, that that you can be ripped apart through politics and debate to the point mm-hmm. where you wish that you could just be destroyed by magic because that would be much more simple. <sighs> but... I don't know, so it's it's free to play, and let's see. Uh, f- ah, oh, it's made by Fail Better mm-hmm. <laughs> um, instead of just Bioware. Let's see, what has Fail Better done? They've done Fallen London and uh, The Sunless Sea. Yeah, have we played either of those? I've played Fallen London a bit, uh, and I I liked the writing in it, but it used you know it was a, a free to play game that used like time restrictions to encourage you to buy you know, like, buy more actions, basically. So, yeah. so yeah, I, I, I um, quickly stopped playing that game. But uh, this, the Sunless Sea looks like it's going to be really cool when it comes out on Steam and yeah. elsewhere. But, yeah. 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 So, so, go check it out. Blizzard actually had BlizzCon this weekend. Uh, I totally almost didn't realize that it was going on, but, uh, you know, they made a bunch of, like, announcements. So... The one that caught my attention the most was Overwatch, which is a, an upcoming class-based, you know, multiplayer shooter, basically TF2 in the future. So, uh, so you know, the name is Overwatch, and the name of the patrols in Half-Life 2 are Overwatch. Oh my goodness, you're right. Oh, that's hilarious. Um, yeah, but there, there's like so many similarities between the two games. Like, you know, they 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 both feature like all of the uh, what are they called? Game modes, you know, feature some sort of objective like, you know, capture capture these points or move a bomb to, you know, the end of a track or, you know, things like that. Uh, all of the characters, uh, so, so, so far they haven't really gone into specifics on the actual, like, gameplay abilities of each of the characters, but they, but they talked about the characters' personalities and it's, it's a wide range of, you know, uh, international characters with, you know, a bunch of different motivations and, and backstories and everything. Uh, I would, I would recommend reading through them. They're actually pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. And the world that they've created is pretty cool too, where it's, I think it's supposed to be 60 years in the future from now. And they're, in between now and then, there has been like a robot uprising. And then this, this, you know, task force called the Overwatch was formed to, first combat the robots and then to keep peace in this, you know, war-torn world. And ever since then they've disbanded and now, you know, these these heroes are like kind of on their own fighting whichever, you know, what it, for whatever ideal ideology they think is, you know, correct and like have you seen the um the cinematic cinematic trailer? trailer? Yeah, that was excellent and very cute. Yes. They they have a trailer for it or the link to it on the website, so I suggest mm-hmm. you guys go and check that out. I mean, I like Winston. <coughs> Winston. Yeah, you do not mess I, with Winston's gla- Winston's glasses. No, never mess with Winston's glasses. You will regret it. But he's a giant gorilla that yes wears glasses and is a tank. And ooh, abilities. There are a few abilities that he has that have been listed. He's a Tesla cannon. Short-range electric barrage for as long as he holds down the trigger. 
um, jump pack. So, assisted by his energy pack, Winston lunges through the air, dealing significant damage and staggering nearby enemies when he lands. Shield protector. Winston's shield projector extends a bubble-shaped field that absorbs damage until it's destroyed. LS protected by the shield can return fire from within it. And then his ultimate ability, Primal Rage, which is, I think, what happens when you destroy his glasses. Yes. Winston embraces his animal nature, significantly boosting his health and making him very difficult to kill, strengthening his melee attack and allowing him to use his jump pack ability more frequently. While raging, Winston can only make melee and jump pack attacks. This sounds kind of like what you were going to do with my character in D&D. As in, like, the, the monk that you had, or...? Yes, yes. Well, no, I was just going to break your monk by um, giving him the vow of poverty, but weren't, then picking on you the entire way. No, weren't we all... We were planning on, uh, after getting to the vow of poverty, like, giving him all of the points for the whatever, whatever that, like... It, it was essentially primal rage. Hmm. I don't remember that. It was... it Was was it a subclass? I forget. D&D terms, things. Um... It would be that would be probably a prestige class. Yeah, that, would, that, that sounds right. Be. Yeah. So yeah, Overwatch. Uh, you can sign up for the beta now, and that'll be starting sometime in 2015. Mm-hmm. Yes, I will be signing up for the beta as we speak. Well, after I'm done talking about this next thing. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, so yeah. Speaking of beta, betas, you can also sign up for StarCraft Legacy of the Void beta. So do you know what the difference between Legacy of the Void and the regular StarCraft 2 is, or is it just... Well, actually, this is going to be the third StarCraft 2, because, as you know, you know, StarCraft 2, Wings of Liberty was the, you know, it it had the the campaign for the Terrans, and then the HOTS, Heart of the Swarm, was, you know, the Zerg um, campaign, and then, you know, they had some multiplayer tweaks for it. And now Legacy of the Void is the Protoss campaign and even more multiplayer can- uh, uh, tweaks. And I believe that all three of those are actually, like, standalone games. They, they're called expansions, the, the, the second two, but, like, they, you don't have to own any of the others to play any of them. So there's really three different StarCraft twos, I think. And, yeah, I, I didn't read up on exactly what they're changing for multiplayer, uh, I heard that it's some significant changes, but you know, people who are actually interested can go and read that, which is why we provide links. <laughs> now, I I love hearing stories like this one, where Bioware Montreal helped a couple get married. They actually yes. built an entire level in the Frostbite 3 engine, and you know that had like subtle subtle references to uh their their um relationship you know and, and you know uh and then at the end they just had a room with like giant like the, the both of their names spray painted on the wall like 50 feet high and then a dialogue option that said um you know that that said uh oh, what was her name so and so has a has Becky. a question for you yeah Jackie has a had a question for you and then Jackie got down on her knees and proposed to Amy and yeah. It's nice seeing busy people, you know, take some time out of their their busy schedules to yes, help some people it's, with it's love. <laughs> and I I think it was much more well, I like it better than the, you know, claptrap video that they did for Bio uh I mean not Bio, uh Borderlands. <laughs> Borderlands. Borderlands too. They both start with bees, but you know, that's just because I mean, it's less crude. Biolands too. <laughs> That'd be such a weird crossover. 
Uh, let's see. Okay. Then, oh yes. So, everybody go and check out the Talus Principal Public Test. So there is a... When is it coming out, do we know? December 11th. December 11th, okay. Mm -hmm. There's a puzzle game coming out on December 11th called the Talos Principle. And they are having a public test right now. Which also kind of serves the purpose of being a demo. Yes, very much so. Um, And... I don't know, just a lot of puzzles. Uh, it's it, it has you thinking with different game mechanics, like more so than Portal. In a way. I mean, in the demo, they didn't introduce tons and tons of different um, puzzle elements. I think there were like, you know, four four or five of them. Well, um, let's, let, let's count them. So they had the, the lasers. Yep. Ruptors. Yep. The fan. Um, fan. The pressure plate. Pressure plate. I don't think we count the box. I mean, but, you you can, but those kind of go along with the pressure plate. But I don't know. Um, and the, the, the gates also go along with the disruptors. Yeah. So. And you actually didn't get a chance to try this out, but there's also a record function. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I'll, I'll be doing that in a bit. But yeah, most of those most of those puzzle elements, I th- you you find things just like them in, uh, in Portal. Yeah, I suppose. But like other than that, the games couldn't be any different because like the the writing in in you know the portal games was pretty much just meant to be humorous, and the the writing in the Talos Principle so far has been very like existential with a bunch of Judeo Christian references that I really really appreciate. Like it is I, it is just really cool. With it. And so, of course, you are playing as a robot. I mean, not of course, but you are playing as a robot. And apparently these tests were, like, created for you by the person who made you as well. And, like, so it's it's kind of asking the questions of, like, does does this robot, like, you know, what's what's the point of its existence? And, you know, does, does it... Does it have a soul? I don't know, but that's a very Legion thing to say. But, you know, like, does this make the robot's creator, like, essentially a god from the robot's perspective? You know, stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, man, it looks like... I'm just watching the trailer, and it looks like there's a bunch more elements, and the puzzles get way more difficult. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, that was that was just the first, like, four puzzles, or five, if yeah. you find the hidden one. Yeah, that's gonna be interesting. Also, I got um, on uh, they so you can um, go and join the the Steam group for the game. Join the Steam group for it as or yeah, join the Steam group as well as you. They ask you to go and offer feedback. Ah yes. And I got a little reply to my feedback. It was just thank you for on or thank you on your feedback. We are working on polishing and smoothing various animations for future updates. Because what I had commented on was ma- basically that um um. The jumping felt unnatural because I think you just rise up and your feet come up and rise up underneath you. Because there is a third person mode. Oh, weird. Huh. Okay. You can play in third person mode, but you you don't really jump. You just sort of levitate and your feet come up, and the the timing seems a little bit off mm-hmm. as to when you move up and when there's the animation starts and whatnot. Did you notice uh, that like if you're next to an object like one of the boxes that you can jump on top of, like if you if you hit jump. When, when that box is, like, selected, then you'll not exactly teleport to that box, but you'll, like, you know, just kind of go straight up there to be on top of the box instead of having to, you know, navigate your own jump up onto it. Yeah. 
<laughs> in some ways, it's nice. It's it's nice from a gameplay perspective, yeah. <laughs> it's nice for people who aren't so good at platformers. Hey, now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even without that, I can tell you that none of the platforming that they had in the Talos Principle was anywhere near as hard as Borderlands. Oh, yeah. Oh. I'm not used to that gravity. <laughs> not yet. Oh, just you wait till, uh you play the pre-sequel with me. Oh, boy. Oh, man. That's right, because they've got the, yeah, on the moon. Yep. So actually, the other thing that I made you play this week uh, was was also very existential in nature. Oh, the plan. Existential. So the plan is a short little like experience. It's it, it takes less than ten minutes to play through, and you you play as a fly. And I I don't know how much I want to say about it because like it's it's best if people go into it with no expectations. But I definitely recommend that everybody go and check it out because it's really really short and it's free. And like as long as you go into it with an open mind, you'll you'll probably take away a lot, like a lot more than you're expecting. Yeah. Like I I know that you you kind of saw it as a, a an extended metaphor. Oh yeah. For like life, basically. <laughs> yeah, there, there was some stuff for life. There was some stuff as sort of just plans and dreams and hopes. Mm-hmm. Um, and what happens with that? I don't know. How about this? Anyone who's listening, go play. Go play it, and then because it only takes what ten minutes to get through. Less, yeah. Like it, as as little as five, I think. Something like that. And then in the the listener feedback section. Send us what you thought about the game, and we can ha- we can start an open discussion about it because we don't want to spoil anything, as we said, and we want to keep it so that you guys your guys' minds are open. And if we um, if we are silly enough that uh, we might accidentally give something away, well, we want to avoid that, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and we want you guys to be able to have your own unbiased opinions of the game. By unbiased, I mean without what we thought in there. Un- too. Unaffected. Yes. Yeah. Unguided. Yes. Oh, that's right. I didn't play that either. Grr, I forgot to play that. Sorry, looking at our review section. Ah, yes. Well, I, I did play it, fortunately. So Among the Sleep came out with a free DLC this week, and that it was it was pretty short as well. It took me about half an hour to play through. And it's it takes place in an entirely different building. It seemed to be like a cabin. Uh, a nice log cabin, and most of what you do throughout the throughout the DLC is you go and you rescue these stuffed animals, because like there's a bunch of windows in the cabin that are open to the frigid winter air, and these these stuffed animals are like frozen in, you know, trapped in in you know like essentially an ice cage, and you have to like shut the shut the window. And, you know, either, like, turn on a radio with some happy music or, you know, whatever, to, to bring happiness and warmth back into their hearts and, you know, make make them, like, melt the frozen heart <laughs> or something. I don't know. It was, it was a little weird. I wasn't sure exactly what they were going for with that. Um, but um, just like, just like the, the core game, you know, had a meaning 
there there was a meaning to the DLC that became more and more apparent, you know, the more you played. And they were actually because it was it was much shorter, I think they had to be much more blunt about the the meaning because they had like these very obvious kind of flashback shapes that you see like as you're crawling around you'll see like these these ghostly silhouettes of an event happen in front of you and then you know just like sounds from that event and so it it was it was much much clearer i think what they were trying to go for so i should play it um right after this is what you're saying yeah probably go for it just like we're going to make ryan play the plan right afterwards cool so yeah i mean if like it, the this DLC doesn't really change. Like if you weren't interested in Among the Sleep before, this isn't going to change your opinion of it. But if you already have Among the Sleep, you might as well play it because it's just you know another half hour and it's free. And there you go. Are there any more good scares? Not really. Like there there is a monster wandering around the cabin, and um I did get caught by it once because I didn't realize I I. I didn't take enough time to really try to figure out what its pattern was of walking around, um, and I'm I'm not sure if there there is a pattern that it follows or if it just wander randomly wanders. Um, but I, I did get caught by it once, and whoopsies! It wasn't it wasn't too bad. Like in terms of scariness, I was a little like the the scariest part for me was okay, we're in a cabin in the woods. It's winter, and somebody left all these freaking windows open. Like. <laughs> Little this is... cabin in the woods, little man by the window stood, saw a rabbit hopping by, knocking at his door. No, that's the cabin in Texas. Knocking at his door. <laughs> help me, help me, help me, he said. You're the hunter's wheel, shoot me, dead. Come, little rabbit, come with me. So thanks for listening to us, everybody. This has been 8-Bit. Don't forget to try to identify the song that you hear right after our outro, because if you can identify that song, uh, you know, and what what game it comes from, then you will get a free game from me, because I have a bunch of extras. That would be really freaking obvious. (laughs) Uh, what else can I do? Um... Now, I was going to say, you know, you can probably bet that it's not going to be Star Wars because Ian was being all obvious about that. But then, you know, what if Ryan decides to, like, pull, you know, a reverse psychology thing on us? I don't know. I actually never know what he's going to pick beforehand. And <laughs> sometimes I, you know, struggle to figure them out. Like, I didn't know what, what our first one was, which was, what was that? Oh, yeah, from Paranautical Activity. Last week's was from uh, Kentucky Route Zero. Ryan is Trixies. I did recognize that one. Trixies. So yes, I'm Ian Buck. And I am Ian Jackyard. Signing off.
Take me to the river. Take me to the river. Wash me down. Now I'm having Wash flashbacks to Bioshock Infinite. When are we moving together? Ah. I just met you and I teabagged you. So, so you're you're aware of who Matt is, right? Of course. Well, yes. it, it turns out that he had never heard the term teabag used outside of the gaming, <coughs> me, you know, gaming definition of teabagging. So when I said, well, so he, he wasn't familiar with the noun. Yeah, he wasn't familiar with an actual teabag and how you put a teabag in a cup of water to make tea. <laughs> and so, I, so I told him, yeah, I, I made tea with this teabag, and he's like, what? And it's like, oh my gosh. When when my mom mentioned it, she was like, yeah, I don't really remember that happening, but I guess I was newly married, so I wasn't really paying attention to, like, world events. 